Happy Father's Day, and uh, it is good to see you, masked or unmasked. I'm glad you're here. It's just optional, and if you like wearing them, amen. If you don't like wearing them, amen. Uh, I'm just... I'm just glad you're here and uh, glad to see each one of you here. Uh, we're, this morning we're in the book of James. You can be turning there to James <clears throat> chapter 3. And uh, uh, it's quite a topic this morning about the tongue. Uh, it's a, a very important one. Um, the Bible says in the multitude of words, there lacks not sin. So preachers have to remember that one and uh, be, be very careful. I'm, I'm glad it's Father's Day. Uh, I get to be a father, so that is... That is an awesome privilege, and I uh, said earlier, Pastor Todd has five boys, so uh, that, I, I feel more sorry for Amy than him, obviously, but uh, <clears throat> that's a, that is one of, uh, one of his great qualities, being a great dad. And So I'm just glad to see you here. If you are a dad or hope one day to be a dad, uh, I'm glad you are here. Uh, it's, a, it's a holy undertaking. In fact, it, it, it kind of leads us into our sermon. We're talking about unbridled strength, unbridled strength. Uh, is, is something that, uh, that can harm. Uh, gentleness is not weakness or meekness. Gentleness is strength under control. And here the Bible is talking about the tongue, and it says it, it, when it's unbridled, it causes destruction. And so we have to bring, we have to bring some sort of control uh, to our tongue. And uh, the, in the very first verses, we were supposed to have the Scripture read, weren't we? Okay, well, I'll read it because I jumped up here and I don't know what happened. I started talking as soon as uh, I got up here. So whoever read the scripture, thank you, and I'm sorry I uh, did that to you. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, beginning in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among your members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it... We bless our God and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For from the same mouth come, uh, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it teaches. Lord, we just pray right now that uh, you would uh, control uh, what I say. Uh, Lord, I don't want to say things that aren't true. I don't want to say things that uh, offend needlessly. Uh, Lord, you are the offense. You are the rock of offense. And when we preach only Jesus, as we just sang, uh, Lord, uh, we offend those who believe there are many ways to come to the Father. But Jesus, you yourself said that no man can come to the Father except through you. You are the Son of God, brought who came to earth and put on flesh and uh, took on our sin, that we could take on your righteousness and your holiness. Lord, 
today. We thank you for uh, what you have done in our life, what you will continue to do in our life. And we pray that we would understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I kind of want to ask a question. Uh, as it, he starts out, don't, he says, not everybody should be a teacher, but what is a teacher? Uh, my wife is a school teacher, and, and, and a good one at that, in my opinion. Humble and accurate opinion. Uh, but uh, but we, we, you hear that word, and we think, yeah, well, that's somebody else. That's like the preacher in the pulpit or the teacher in front of a classroom. But in reality, we're all teachers. As I said, I was going to say, uh, Todd being a father, a father's in here, we understand we are called upon to teach our children. We are their teachers, and whether you teach them verbally and sit down and teach them, or, or just by the example of your life, you teach. In fact, we teach more by our example than any other way. We teach those who don't know Christ what Christ is supposed to look like. I don't know if you ever think about that, <clears throat> but we are the only Bible some people ever read, so... We are the people that are the book that people read, and, and we teach them what Jesus looks like. I, I mean, in reality, what do you think people see of Jesus in you? If you are the only thing that they ever know about Christ, are you an adequate witness? We, we all teach somebody somewhere sometime. And here James is warning about teaching. Now, when I was studying this and trying to read what other people might have said about it, I noticed something they all jumped on talking about how difficult it is to bridle the tongue. And, and, and it was a lot about that. But one person in particular, um, Francis Chan, he pointed out what this first verse says and something we really need to get a hold of. This is a, a scary, dangerous verse in the Bible. This is a severe warning. He says, not many of you ought to be teachers, my brother, or should become teachers, for those who teach will be judged with a greater strictness, it says in the English Standard Version Bible that I'm reading from. And, and that word, I, I looked up that word in the, in the original language, it means condemnation. We come under a stricter condemnation that God judges the teacher more strictly than anyone else. And so, not just in the pulpit, this is kind of obvious, but I think about how is God judging me, <laughs> oh, I hate to even say it, when I'm driving my car. How is, you know, what, what am I, when I'm yelling at somebody because they did stuff that I do. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we love to condemn people that don't sin like us, right? And sometimes we condemn people that do sin like us, but we're the exception to the rule, obviously, right? I had a cousin, he, he used to talk about uh, some of our other relatives said they go to the exempt religion church. It mean, it's meant for everybody but them, you know. A lot of us are like that. And, and, uh, and, and here James is warning us. That God is going to bring a stricter judgment to those who teach. Listen, trust me, there are, there are popular preachers and teachers under the name of Jesus Christ that are teaching out-and-out out heresy, things that are absolutely unlike what are, are in contradiction to what the revealed Word of God teaches us. And we need to be careful. And I, it scares me to read this because when I stand before God, He said, why did you teach them that? That wasn't in my word, or that was a contradiction of my word, or that, was, that didn't have anything to do with my word. It was just an opinion of yours. And, and so the very first thing he says is we ought to think of this very seriously before we'll be a teacher. Now, we need teachers. We need, we need more teachers. And, and so you say, well, th thanks. That's a great recruiting poster right there. You know, you're going to be condemned by God more strictly than anybody else. So don't you want to sign up today? Yeah, and be, but that's the point he's making is if you decide, yes, God is calling me to do that, then you better take that seriously. 
You, you can't just wing it. I, I remember, <laughs> this is embarrassing to me to say, but I remember in a seminary class, a professor asked me to answer a question, and I did the best I could, which wasn't much. And so then he corrected my incorrectness. And I said, yeah, that's what I meant, because I'm a jokester, and I shouldn't have said that. You never, never joke with a guy with a Ph.D. behind his name when he's trying to teach you something, okay? I'm just, that's a big lesson I learned early on. And I made a mistake that day, and I said that. And he said, Mr. McCarter, when you get to your church and you begin to teach your people, you cannot afford to say, yeah, that's what I meant. Boy, that went home. I was like, man, he's right. And boy, I was embarrassed too, but I'm used to being embarrassed because I do that kind of stupid stuff a lot. So, uh, but, but that's exactly what James is saying. Brother, you better teach the truth. You better know the truth because you'll come under a stricter, more severe judgment. It's a weighty decision. It's a weighty judgment. It's a weighty decision to decide, I want to be a teacher. I want to I show other people the way to Christ. It, this isn't a discouragement not to do it. It is an encouragement to make sure you've got it right before you start teaching others, before you start talking. That's why the Bible in Timothy talks about the leaders of the church, says don't lay hands on any man quickly, but let him prove himself first. Uh, and, and, and being a servant to all, and, and the way he learns and teaches and believes. Because in these verses, I, I wrote it, I, I'm not showing you these in my notes, but in my notes I wrote, because we are guaranteed to fail. Look what he says after that. He says, you're going to come out of strict judgment. He says, for we all stumble in many ways, and if you do not stumble in what you say, you're a perfect man. Well, anybody want to get first in the line to sign up for the I'm the perfect man club? By the way, Proverbs says, even my, or Job, I'm sorry, says, even my breath is offensive to my wife, right? Where none of us are perfect. And he says, and then you would be able to bridle your whole, whole body if you were a perfect man. But we all are carried away by our desires, our lust, and, 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 and the things that, that still live with us as, as believers. And then he gives the illustration, putting a bit in a horse's mouth. A horse without a bridle, man, he, he'll go where he wants to go. But you put that bit in his mouth and you start to guide him and, 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 and rein him in. He talks about a ship that's so large, but that small rudder turns it. Relative to the ship, the rudder is a very small part. He says, so is the tongue. The tongue is a small member, but it boasts of many things and great things. So many times we, we I'm guilty of this, and I, I have to really take care. And I really hate to tell a story of something that happened if my wife was there when it happened. Because afterwards she's going to say, you know, that wasn't exactly right. <laughs> And she's not being ugly, she's being truthful that, uh, yeah, I kind of embellished that one, sorry. So, especially up here, I like to let you know now, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I assume you know I'm making some things up, and I usually tell you that when I do, but, but, uh, but, but we are guaranteed that we are going to fail, that we can't be perfect in our talk. Well, since we can't be perfect, the, the answer to that is not don't do anything. The answer is when you see you're in error, stop, correct yourself, apologize. If you made a mistake, right? If you mess up. I have preached things and somebody comes and say, well, pastor, did you think about this? I go, yeah, no, I didn't. You, you got it. And I'd come back next week and say, y'all, I said this last week. I was totally wrong. Somebody pointed it out. And I see where I messed up and I'm sorry. Because we are coming under stricter judgment. It's not a, an encouragement not to say anything. It's an encouragement to be meek while you're teaching. To be teachable while you're teaching. 
You following me? Y'all with me? I don't want to discourage you, but I want you to see that, that you need to be teaching others. We need people to teach our children. We need helpers to teach each other. The Bible calls us to encourage and teach one another and, and, and to help one another to follow Christ. But here the scripture says, but you're guaranteed to fail because no man's a perfect man. No man can totally bridle his tongue. Now, we like to say, oh, that slipped. Um, it, it's funny that we would say that. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus said this, For no good tree bears bad fruit. And again, does a bad tree bear good fruit? For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes gathered from bramble bushes. The good person out the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his heart treasures uh, his evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks when somebody says "Ooh, that slipped i say no it just came out of the well of your heart i say that to myself and and you ought to say that to yourself it is out of the well of our heart that we speak according to jesus words in luke chapter six and so we have this severe judgment by the way here's what i want you to take home with you i'm glad they're Folks up there aren't too rattled by me. Um, Just a statement. Speaking without the Holy Spirit's direction is always dangerous. And in the book of Nehemiah, and I just finished reading that in my morning devotions, but he got news of what was happening in Israel, in Jerusalem, that the wall had been torn down and and the city was defenseless because the wall was a sign of the strength of your God as well. And he was in despair and he was the cupbearer to the king and he said never did he look sad in the king's presence. He was always cheerful and encouraging. But that day, he couldn't help but he had been praying and fasting and mourning over what was happening in Jerusalem. And the king says, in today's language, what's up with you, Nehemiah? What's your problem? And he said, I prayed to God and spoke to the king. Now, I don't think he said, hold on a minute, king. Dear God, please help me. No, he had been praying to God. But even in that moment, before he said a word, he said, I spoke to God, then I said to the king, how can I be happy when my homeland is torn down? And the king, of course, let him go and rebuild the wall. The wisest man that I ever met, if you asked him a question, this was always his first reaction. And then he turned back around and started talking. He always made himself stop and think before he spoke. I usually think about the next day, about what I just said. Uh, it's, 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 it's difficult for us. And I think we all are there. And James here is saying, brother, be serious about this. And, and not that it's an, a discouragement so that we would stop. It is a, sorry. Thank you. I'm glad you are. Please go away. <laughs> Man, I say the word serious and she comes up. Sorry about that. I was trying to get it off before it made any noise. I turned it all the way down, but still, sorry. Thank you for your input, Siri. That was an electronic amen right there. (laughs) But we need to be serious about what we say. We need to be careful about our speech, but don't be quiet. Be careful. Teach the truth, what you know to be true. Listen, I know, and you all know what's true. Jesus is God incarnate. God existed from eternity past. 
He made us. He made this world. We were born into it. We messed it up. We sinned. We needed a Savior. So God himself, in the person of Jesus, put on an earth suit and lived among us, moved into our neighborhood, and he lived a perfect life, and he took all our sin upon himself and died on a cross. And on the third day, hallelujah, rose again. He came out of that grave, as we sang about. And now he lives so that we can have forgiveness of sin and life in him. Now, I didn't say anything there that I got to even think about, worry about, or think I said that wrong. That is all true. And we ought to be that kind of witness. Because the tongue has an out-of-proportion strength, and that's what James is trying to get us to see. But we go back to verse 5, and in the middle of it, it kind of adds a new paragraph. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. A few weeks ago, our barn, uh, our shed, uh, 20 by 50 foot structure, it burnt. It burnt uh, uh, not all the way down. Now that we're dealing with insurance, I wish it had burnt all the way down. But because um, you got to figure out so much stuff. But but it burnt, and what happened? There was a short in a wire, and it just a spark, and boom, it caught and it burnt. And it, here James says the same thing: a little spark will set a great fire and set a blaze of forest. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and is set on fire by hell. Can you imagine that? Have you ever met somebody and think, oh, they're such a wonderful person, they're an attractive-looking person, and then they say something, you go, oh, right? The Bible talks about words of wisdom being like apples of gold set in and frames of silver. When we speak God's word, there's a freshness and a fresh air and a wholeness to it. When, when we say what God says in his word, you get that difference. But when somebody's just rattling on about their opinion or, or saying things that we know is not true, it just, oh, it's so offensive. And, and he says that our tongue is like that, that, that it, it, it has a greater influence than we realize. It has an influence in our body. I, I, I don't believe in, uh, in, in, in nutty kind of uh, modern self-talk and all that, but I do know that the man. The Bible says that a man thinks in his heart. That's what he's like. I, 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 I've always mentioned these guys, but uh, the, the lone survivor, that that Navy SEAL, he says people walk up to him all the time and say, I could never do what you did. He said, why would you defeat yourself before you even tried? We do talk even to ourselves. Who do you think inspires talk that you're not good enough uh, so uh, this is the false humility let me teach you something here real quick we think it sounds so humble say well the lord can't use me i'm just not good enough what you just said is in the face of an almighty sovereign creator god you don't have the power to make me different that is not humility that is blasphemy against a holy god who saved you and wants to use you for his kingdom and he's warning us here that our tongue can set on fire and burn down your life. You'll never be useful to God because you, you say and you hope it sounds like humility, but it is not. It is boasting that you're better than God, that you can't, you're so bad God can't do anything with you. That's not humility. Humility is saying, apart from God, I'm nothing, but with him, I can, the Bible says, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. I mean, long before there was a fictional character that could leap tall buildings in a single bound and run faster than a locomotive, God said the righteous can jump over a wall and run through a troop. 
of people. That with God, nothing is impossible. A giant is not too big to hit, he's too big to miss. Right? A fire does not consume. It's just, oh, good, I was a little chilly. Hey, you boys want to come out of that fire? Sure. <laughs> and they walk out of it, right? God is that big. And, 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 and our tongue, we convince ourselves with how we talk sometimes. We convince each other, oh, that'll never work. Woe is me. Y'all remember that cartoon? There was a cartoon when I was a kid, and the announcer at the football game, the announcer would be talking like American announcer, oh, and he's running the ball, and, talking, and now a word from our sponsor. And then all of a sudden it'd be this real droopy, like bloodhound going, do you need life insurance? You know, this is so sad. Sometimes, man, around people, you feel that way. It's like, dude, come on. God is alive, but we have to be careful how we talk. He says in verse 7, every beast and bird and reptile and creature has been tamed by man, but you cannot tame your tongue. I tell you, it's guaranteed failure. And so realizing that, that's why earlier in this same book, he said, so be quick to listen and slow to talk. And he's expounding on that saying because the tongue is a dangerous thing. No human can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to tame your tongue. It takes the, the power of God in your life to make your uh, speech different. And then, as, as he talks about this untrainable member, he, he goes into the evidence of the restraint. And that's good. I like that. I misspelled the word too. You know, there's three ways to spell it, and then my notes is different, but somebody there's smart and fixed it. Thank you. Or... Debbie did it for me. I don't know. Somebody fixed it between me writing it and it coming up there. We call this the law of contradiction that James talks about. And the law of contradiction came about uh, in a different time. But it's the idea that two opposites cannot be true at the same time in the same place. In mathematics, it's described as X cannot be non-X in the same equation. X is always X. Well, that's God's word. God's word is always God's word. No matter what, how society changes, no matter how culture changes, God's word is always God's word. It, the cool thing is God wrote his Bible in such a way that in any culture there are things that are wrong and things that are right. And you can take the good things out of a culture and use those in preaching the gospel, and then we got to be careful and not do the bad things in our culture. That's the same true where we live as it is in the place where nobody's ever heard the name of Christ, where we need to get to and, and bring the word of Christ. And so here James goes on to say, With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Can you imagine telling a cabinet maker, Oh man, you are such a good cabinet maker, I, I really appreciate you. Who made this piece of junk? Well, that's mine. Well, dude, what were you thinking? This is the wrong color wood and kind of wood, and you should have put the door here, and that's wrong, and you start criticizing it. He goes, that, that doesn't make any sense. How do you bless God, the creator of all men, and then curse part of his creation? Say that an unborn baby is not worthy of life because of a so-called deformity or defect. They are made perfectly in the image of God. When God called Moses, and Moses said, uh, God, you know I don't talk too well. You really want me to go? And God said, am I not God? Did I not make the tongue? I made your tongue. I made you stutter and stammer. I made you for that because I don't want you to do it in your strength. I want people to know that it's me talking through you. 
And sometimes the thing that we think is our weakness is actually a strength God's given us. And we don't exploit that strength enough. Because two opposites cannot be true at the same time. How can you curse a person? And we're living in a time where you're seeing riots in the streets. Where, where people are upset over the, a degree of, of, of melanin in a person's body. Whether you got a lot of it or a little of it. And people are fighting and arguing and fussing over that. Well, I don't know where you are on that, but I know this, that if I curse one of God's creation because of the color of their skin, whether it be white or black or brown or yellow or anything in between, simple, uh, silver or purple, <laughs> I don't care. He says, how can you bless God and curse a man that God made in his image? God said, out of one blood he made all men. We have no right to do that. We have no position to do that he says in verse 10 from the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers these things ought not to be so does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh and salt water can a fig tree my brothers bear olives or a grapefruit produce figs neither can the salt pond yield fresh water now go back to luke 6 that i've already read to you where jesus said and james his half brother caught this part where he said <laughs> A bad tree produces bad fruit, and a good tree produces good fruit. You're not going to ever see that differently. Two opposites cannot be true at the same time. You cannot bless God and curse men with the same mouth. You cannot say God is great and his creation is bad. When God made creation, he said, that's good, it's good, it's good. And he never changed his mind. We distorted it, we messed it up. But his creation is a good thing. And what he made is good and god calls us to love him and serve others amen you can't serve people that you're talking bad about we have to speak before god goodness and 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 ask god's blessing on all of us and we have to ask god to help those who are caught by the enemy and carried away I'm not saying everybody's right and everybody does the right things and everybody is what we call a good person. The Bible says none of us are good. If you think somebody else, you're better than somebody else, you just proved you're not because nobody is better than anybody else. The Bible says our hearts are all de deceitful and desperately wicked. None can know. It says there's none that does good, not even one. There's none that seek after God, not even one. And if God doesn't draw us to himself, himself we're not coming. And so we got to get over that and we have to thank God for what he's done in our life and then ask him to do it in other people's life. And when we see someone that has been caught by the lie of the enemy, no matter if it comes in a religious form or a political form or a social form or, or, or any other kind of form, there's where we have to step in and bring the truth of God and the love of Christ and apply it to that situation. And that's what a teacher does. So we have to be careful that we come at it from the right standpoint, the Word of God. Listen, you are a teacher, and this is application time. What does your words teach? What do your words teach? You are a teacher. People are looking at you all the time. If you yell and fuss and carry on all the time, what are you teaching people? Secondly, you need to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to tame your tongue. You can't do it. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to reform myself. I'm not going to do that anymore. 
The only way you can tame your tongue at all is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know it sounds, I just realized it sounds like I said two contradictory things in my, in the sermon, the entire sermon. I said you will fail in your tongue and only God can make it right and God can do that. But the only time we don't do it right is because we've forgotten and don't walk in the power of the Spirit. That's why he says in Galatians, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so it is possible under Christ to do it correctly, but you've got to depend on his power to do it. And then thirdly, do my words and tone match what I claim in my walk with Christ? I don't know what you claim your relationship with God is, but when people look at your life and your speech, does it sync up? Is it the same? And when it's not the same, then we've got to take stock of ourselves and find out where is this messed up? Where have I gone wrong? And am I walking in God's spirit? Listen, if you don't have the presence of God in your life, you don't even have a hope. <laughs> you, you, you can't reform how you talk or, or speak. I, I've, I've lived in the secular world and worked in jobs that weren't involved with the church and hear people around me say awful things and then they find out that I'm a Christian and they start going, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My standard response to that is always, you didn't offend me, you offended God. You don't answer to me, you answer to him. That's true for us as believers, too. I'm going to stand in front of God, according to James 3, 1, and he's going to say, what was that all about? And I'm going to be called to a stricter judgment for how I teach you. Well, that's, that's weight enough, trust me. But have you thought about that yourself? Are you teaching something contrary to God's word by how you live, how you talk, what you do? It might be good to take stock of that. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we know that you alone are perfect in all your ways. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that anything you said, you said, you said that you said it by the direction of the Father, that you spoke not of your own will, but only his will.